Welcome to the PCS to Corporate America podcast from Cameron Brooks. Our mission here at Cameron Brooks is to help educate junior military officers about their transition options and to inspire veterans to transform their lives and their careers. So afternoon, everybody. This is Rob Davis with Cameron Brooks, and I'll welcome you all to this afternoon's April 2023 Career Conference Review. If you want to use a military term, you can kind of think of this like an after-action review on the um, the April conference. So welcome, everybody. And uh, this is going to last right about an hour. We'll keep as close to an hour as I possibly can. And this is going to be the uh, the agenda we'll follow um, for uh, this uh, this webcast. So one, we'll talk about some of the numbers. I know numbers are important to a lot of people, um, but I'll kind of explain the, the, the information behind the numbers because statistics are only as good as as their context, right? You can skew any statistic you want to, but we'll talk about the stats. Hit a little bit on which different companies attended. I don't have a full inclusive list, but I'll highlight some. Um, a sample of positions, and I'll show you what a sample interview schedule looked like. We'll talk about location, though it's always a point of, of question and curiosity for a lot of you know JMOs as they make their transition out of the military. I'm going to try to keep this to about this part right here, about maybe 20 minutes. That's kind of my goal, uh, because then I think the most valuable part of, of a webcast like this is not to hear me talk as much, but to hear from uh, alumni, folks that literally have just completed their search, attended the April conference. Um, so they have done what you are either about to do, going to be doing in the near future, or considering doing. So I think it's always helpful to do that. Uh, there's two ways we're, we're going to do a, uh, I'm going to have, I have a kind of a pre-scripted list of questions that I'm going to kick it off with, and I'll get into those in a little bit just to get the dialogue going. And then I will open it up to all of you that are live on the call that want to ask questions as well. So I said, you can put your questions in the chat, but there is a Q&A box. Uh, that one's sometimes easier because what I could do is as I read the questions, I could click off which ones have been answered, but kind of keeps it um, easier to organize. But if you want to throw a question in the chat, I'll check both. That's perfectly fine. So that's our, that's our agenda for this afternoon. And so let's start with the stats first, right? So the average number of interviews was just short of 9.5. So 9.4 average number of interviews at the conference in January of 2023 was 10.4. So down about an interview. If you go back to you know, a little bit further to 2022, 2021, the average was sitting probably closer to around 11.5 to 12.5. Why are we seeing a, a little bit of a dip? Well, the median was nine, the mode was nine. So median being basically the arithmetic mean, the mode is, you know, that number got represented the most out of all the candidates that attended. At the January conference, it was, you know, median 11, mode of 10. So again, follows pretty closely with that change in interview by one interview apiece. The economy is different, you all. The economy has, you know, softened, tightened, whatever adjective or verb you want to use. But this is not the economy of 2021. This is not the economy of 2022. It's also not the economy of 2020 either. Or, you know, go back to as far as 2009, where we had the subprime loan fiasco recession then as well. So we're somewhere in the middle of all that. I would say probably more on the upper end of 2021, 2022, as opposed to what we saw in the pandemic in you know, 2020. But it, it has changed. Now, what has changed? Essentially what you have, and we're going to get to this in a second as well, Look, we all know that you know, the feds have raised interest rates with the intent of cooling off the labor market, which they have, they have done. They have done that. However, there is still job creation occurring. If that wasn't the case, we wouldn't be averaging close to nine and a half interviews per officer at this most recent conference. So I think it doesn't mean opportunities are not there. What it does mean, though, is the bar has been raised. The bar has gone up. And so typically when the economy tightens, the natural tendency for companies is to stick with what they know, right? Look at the industry higher. But that does not mean that companies are not willing to look outside the industry. Look at, you know, this JMO path. Boy, what it does mean is the bar's been raised. Now, the pursuit rate was close to 69%. Now, what does that mean? What that means is, essentially, if you had 10 interviews at your conference and you converted, you know, seven of those into a positive outcome. And what that means is the companies expressed further interest in moving forward into the next step, the follow process, as we call it. That's the pursuit rate. And that was actually really close to what we saw at the January conference. 
literally less than a half a percent. So really not a lot of change there. I think it's also important to note, even though I just said, you know, the economy's tight and all that, 100% of the candidates that left the conference with options. Every candidate had companies pursuing them moving forward into the follow process. I think when you look at um, at nine right now, we are still in the third week of the follow process. And this is not that. This is why I don't have placement rates and those things as well, because we're not done yet. Right now, there are nine candidates still either in evaluation mode, still might be conducting a final interview or two, but all of them at this point in time have offers. So I think we're still going to end up with a very successful conference, and I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the June conference as well. But I think it's just important to understand what does success look like? I think across the board, I don't care if we're in a fantastic economy, we're in a terrible economy, we're somewhere in the middle. I think this 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 equation is always true. I think it, to be successful when you're trying to make a hard pivot away from you know the industry you come from, which is the government DOD world, into this world of corporate America, great preparation and having a great search strategy, a great, great career search strategy. So preparation is critical. Like I said, as the bar goes up, that means you've got to be able to interview at a higher level. That means if you're in DPP right now, you're reading all the books. Even if you're power reading, you know, spending a good amount of time in, in the tabs, especially in, in tab five, you know, answer construction, you know, when the time comes, getting in study groups, practicing, verbalizing those answers, and, and a great search strategy. You know, this is not the economy to be overly myopic, meaning I'm trying to pinpoint this location, this one region, this one career field, this one industry. It's tougher to do that in this economy. Is it impossible? No, it is not impossible to do so. But you might be settling. It may not be a developmental type position. It might be a company that, hey, we'll hire you, but you're taking a couple steps back because I don't fully understand your background. It could be just, I'm, I'm collecting a paycheck, but am I really in a company that is going to allow me to grow and move forward? If the goal is to be a development candidate, like we talked about in PCS, in DPP, if that's the goal, getting your foot in the door with a great company that's going to allow you that upside, to allow you to grow, and move and and move up and maneuver. And that doesn't mean necessarily staying in, in a location, but that often means there might be more compromises made in this economy than there might have been in 21, 22. It's just a, a, usually now it's a different sport, and you may have friends and colleagues that transition out in those times, and that may tell you one thing: that's fine, but that's not today. So I think getting in the right mindset of understanding the market today, and Realizing that, hey, there might be a compromise or two. Hey, maybe my top company or top two companies might be my second or third location preference, right? Maybe the company I'm really most interested in might be second or third in the order of, of the money they're paying. You know, things of that nature. Does that mean a long-term pay? No, but there might be a short-term compromise for the long-term positive outcome. And that is being that development candidate, get your foot in the door with a high-quality company, and be able to ramp and grow into increasing levels of responsibility. That's the whole idea of being a development candidate. Ability, which you all, you know, if you're in our program, you've got that. And then um, desire. And that desire means being well to make an investment. Making an investment is critical. This is not about, hey, you all climb the mountain in the military. I did it. You all have done it or are doing it. I'll climb the mountain. But all of a sudden, sometimes the mentality is the mountain that we've leveled off or we're going to, go, going to go downhill. And that's not necessarily the case. It's making an investment because you're going to climb some additional mountains. But there's going to be payoffs as well. There's going to be successes in, in doing so. You make the investment now, it will pay dividends later as you progress in your career. And I'm not talking about 20, 30 years from now. It could be two years from now, a year from now, or five years from now. But it's about having that mindset that I'm willing to make an investment in my career. You know, cashing chips across the table saying, give it all to me now. You know, I'm writing, I got a book and I'm writing a one chapter book. You can have multiple chapters in your career. Now I'm belaboring this point just a little bit because again, I want to make sure that everyone kind of understands that the market is still there. 
it is still absolutely 100% viable to make a successful transition and launch a business career from the military. The bar's been raised, and that just means I need to be that much better prepared. I need to have a really good strategy in doing that. And that's part of our job, too. You know, as Emerald Brooks, that's part of our job is to make sure we are helping you with that preparation and we are guiding and mentoring you to have a great strategy. Are we making the decisions for you? Absolutely not. We're here to be your advisor. Okay, so who attended? Always an interesting question. So we've had, and this is more, less about the names, you all. This is more just to understand a little bit of the diversity. So you had everything from, you know, the, the, the second largest, you know, company in the Fortune 500 list with Exxon Mobil in the energy sector. Boss Scientific, leading medical device company. Merrill Lynch, financial advisory services. ASM, you know, semiconductor company, Johnson & Johnson, you have Motorola Solutions, which this is not your old Razor flip phones. They focus on critical communications equipment for first responders, government, uh, corporate America as well. Next here, Energy, alternative energy company, Abiumed, another you know, leading medical device company that actually were recently acquired by J&J. So technically, I probably should have swapped that out because it's two of the same companies. You know, Pregis, um, large what we I just call packaging company. So Pregis owns all, I all of, or the vast majority of, for example, uh, Amazon's packaging. So that nice Amazon box, you get an Amazon Prime that shows up in, in one piece. All that packaging inside, it's Pregis. Campbell Soup Company, if you're reading Goldfish Cracker or, or Chicken Noodle Soup, you know that company well. Davida Healthcare, focusing on, on kidney dialysis. And, and lastly, Altec, which they focus on those big talk of bucket trucks you see going down the highway, repairing municipality, telephone lines, those things. This is just a handful. Like I said, this is not an all-inclusive list of companies, but this is more to illustrate the idea of that broad search, right? So someone come to you know, one, one conference and interview broadly across these different, obviously based on qualifications, based on interest, all that, but then you get a chance to see a lot of things. And then the ability then to compare and contrast. That's really the beauty of of the career search is to compare and contrast things so you can figure out what's most important, what's less important, what what will I compromise on, what am I not going to compromise on, and figure it out, right? So from position titles, these are just samples. Like I said, just to kind of give you an idea of variety. So this is kind of broken down by the four career field categories that we talk about uh, on our website in DPT. So we had everything from senior financial analyst with J&J, uh, a senior buyer planner role, which that was Edwards Life Sciences, a, a medical device company focused on artificial heart valves. So that role was essentially serving as the conduit between the manufacturing operations side and the vendors, making sure that the right you know, parts and components are there. They meet the, the exact standards necessary for something implantable in the human body. Uh, they're working with the, the quality of the vendor, and they're making sure there's no shortage of materials, no excess of materials. It's a real kind of cool supply chain procurement position. A brand management marketing job with Campbell Soup. You had B2B sales, right? So Abby Men created some time ago, really specifically for our, our candidates, this commercial junior officer leadership program where they get a lot of upfront training um, because Abby makes a mechanical, actually a flow pump that gets inserted into the left or right ventricle of the heart for someone that might be going into heart, will be going into heart surgery, but they might have certain modalities where they may not survive the procedure. So that flow pump takes over the heart pumping function to make it healthier for surgery. So a lot of great technical learning to go into that, and then they're out there into, into a sales territory. Now, Abbott uh, Cardiac Rhythm Management came for a, a CRM sales associate, and the Motorola Solutions, not within the medical device, uh, came for an account executive position. So again, these are all you know, running a territory owning a part of the business, working with other you know, companies, not not the business-to-consumer sales that we typically as consumers are used to. We had different entering management roles. So ExxonMobil came for you know, an instrument engineering type position at one of their facilities in Texas. ASM, the semiconductor company, came for a global product support engineer. So basically working with the R&D teams to design products and tools that would go out to places like an Intel, a Microsoft, you know, on-site to be used in their manufacturing process. Ascend Elevates, really cool company. I've been pretty recent uh, to a conference. They've revolutionized the way they can take old, used, dead 
lithium ion batteries and basically bring them back to life, create new ones. Because there's a lot of stuff out there, as we all know, that are using lithium ion batteries. They came for a variety of different project engineering positions. And lastly, but not least, team leadership. So a GFA role at Davida Healthcare, so running a variety of different clinics, basically a general management type role. Altec came for an area service management position. So you know, they designed and engineered all those big Tonka trucks, but they also run service centers. So customers that don't have the expertise on the equipment you know, can get those preventative maintenance, brake fix, warranty, um, inspections, all those things done. So running a variety of different service centers in a, in a certain region. And then Pregis, that packaging company, came for a production manager role as well as for leading a team that's producing the products. But again, just a sample of positions. But again, kind of goes to everything from financial analysts to brand management to supply chain to account management. It's a technical engineering support, some of that working in R&D, some of that working in a facility, some of that can work with customers, and then a variety of team leadership roles with the manufacturing and operations. So again, just kind of give you a little bit of a flavor for what we saw at, at the April conference. And this is an example of a sample interview schedule. So you got day one and we got day two. So you see a few new companies as well. So I think this one, this person had 10 interviews. I think the reason I picked this one is just an example to show again, the variety of positions. This person was interviewing for uh, Shark Ninja. If you ever owned like a Ninja blender or a Shark vacuum cleaner, that's that's the company, right? So they interview for a brand management role. Uh, Altec, I mentioned, for the you know, service center manager, Nextera, alternative energy. Um, you know, Campbell Soup for another marketing position. Uh, Merrill Lynch for a, a market manager position. Um, and so just, again, showing you a little bit of the variety of the different positions and the way it works, because I think everyone's probably sitting by now, but if not, all of our conferences since the pandemic have gone virtual. So in this case, and we've remained virtual because there's there's really no business case to go back to in-person. You know, we're able to replicate everything we would do in-person, but do it virtually. In some cases, actually do it more efficiently, more pr productively, and, and frankly, overall better. And so as you see there, you've got the schedule, you've got the time, you see the platforms, a lot of Microsoft Teams, Zoom, Google Meet, um, and then they all have the embedded links. So essentially all the person has to do is click on the link, pops them into that company's virtual room, and away they go for the interview. And there's that secondary access. So in case something happened with a virtual interview, they have a phone backup typically, and we want to have that redundancy in, in doing so. So you notice it's a busy schedule. It's it, It's busy. And so you've got everything from, you know, the interviews are on Monday and Tuesday. Um, and the majority of the people, you see these designators, they won't make a lot of sense to you. It would if you had your, you know, your actual schedule. But the majority of the people that these folks met with, just like all of our previous conferences, were the decision makers. These are the hiring managers, directors, VPs, GMs, you know, CFOs, COOs. Yeah, there might be some talent acquisitions, HR folks that are there but the vast, vast majority are going to be the decision makers. And in a lot of cases, the people you go directly to work for. And locations, right? And I threw it. I know I didn't capture all you all. I promise you I didn't, but I try to capture as many as I could just to kind of give you more of like the flavor, the variety. You know, where are you seeing critical mass? Where are you not seeing critical mass? Uh, so you see a lot of things are Southeast. You see things that are, are Midwest, some things that are Texas. Um, some things in the West Coast. What you're not seeing is a lot of um, South Dakota, North Dakota, um, Idaho, Wyoming, um, you know, Iowa, um, you know, places like that. You know, that's not where corporate America is typically found. So I would say uh, you know, we had a lot of you know East Coast, Midwest, things in Texas. Um, and then kind of West Coast. And that that's pretty typical of a Cambridge conference. It's pretty typical of just corporate America in general. Now, the one thing I highlighted in bold, if you see it on that second column, remote. And I want to kind of hit this because I think we had, we had one remote opportunity. And there were a couple that we were going to offer and, and do like a hybrid schedule, but it was still going to be at a specific location. We just are not seeing what we saw in 21, 22 with remote opportunities. Why is that? I think one, companies just don't have the appetite. They've lost the appetite for remote work. Companies have found that people are just not as productive being out of the office. Does that mean you can't work remote a day or two or something like that? No. 
I was feeling under the weather yesterday. I, I worked from home yesterday. You know, that can be done, but pure remote, it's, it's dwindling. And it's dwindling because, again, productivity. Companies were willing to offer more remote opportunities because when the economy came back roaring after the pandemic, there was just a need to get people back in the workforce. And you know, companies had slowed down drastically on their hiring. They were coming out of it. They needed really talented people. They willing to bend over backwards to just acquiesce at that point in time. And that might be offering a boat, or hey, the job is in Milwaukee, but if you really want to be in Dallas, we'll put you in Dallas, kind of a thing. Again, and you might know folks that went to work at a remote job, and maybe a few that did that. But again, like I said a few slides ago, we're playing a different sport today. Does that mean we won't still see a remote opportunity here or there? We might. But compared to what we saw a couple years ago, you know, that number is dwindling pretty pretty dramatically. And and there are certain positions that lend themselves, if at all, to remote. That's probably going to be more in that business analysis bucket. You know, an IT product management role, a corporate finance position, things of that nature. You know, manufacturing, operations, engineering, typically no, you know, because you've got to be there where the work is being done in doing so. How are you on time? We're good. Okay. So, and this is a few slides. So if you haven't met all of us yet, this is a little bit peel behind the curtain because you work with a lot of these folks. So on the right, um, our senior vice president, part owner, my colleague, Joel Junker. Megan Miller's in the middle. Now, Megan is is uh, more behind the scenes. She works with Chuck Alvarez, our CEO, uh, to do more of that. But you know, when you come to your conference and you're doing a lot of the follow-up process, you'll talk to Megan quite a bit. Same thing with Laura. She works on more on the client side. You'll get a chance to know her at the conference. She gives some of the briefings, um, but and she'll work with you a lot of the follow process. But she doesn't do as much upstream like me, Pete, and Joel do. As our CEO Chuck Albert is giving one of his his uh, his company briefings, so Chuck runs the company. His day to day job, however, is working with the officers in our program. So there's my colleague Pete. Um, some of you may work with Josie Sokoloff. She's on the right. She's one of our relationship managers. Josie does some work at the conference as well. She'll help coordinate appointment times, um, you know, certain outbreaks with us, things of that nature. She's also the relationship manager for a place like Norfolk, San Diego, um, you know, Fort Bragg, other places like that. So you might work with her in, in, if you're in those areas. On the, the back there is Mary Lou White. She has been here the longest of any of all of us. She's semi-retired now, but she comes back to help out with the conference. She's very involved at the conference and in the follow-up process. Um, and you got Candy Belsick, who's in, Candy Belsick on the forefront. She's also a relationship manager. So if you're at, say, places like Benning or places like Camp Lejeune or overseas, Candy's going to be your main point of contact. She's been here for, oh gosh, I want to say 30-something years. So she's our second most tenured person here. Great lady. And she does a lot of work. She's the one that helps when we get our information. She's written. She is that proofreader and, and all that. And then she also does a lot of work at the conference in the follow-up process. That's me uh, doing one of my, uh, I think, Saturday night wrap-up sessions. So I'll be involved with all of you at the conference. And then, so now we're at the point where I'm going to introduce the, the most recent alumni. I see some of you put some questions in there. I promise I'll get to them when we get to the Q&A section. That'll be in the back half here. But I want to introduce a few of our alumni. Uh, first, no particular order. I did by alphabet, so no one can sit there and say I was playing favorites. So Taylor Coppin's going to join us here in a second. So Taylor... Uh, Navy Submariner was stationed overseas, I believe, and it was in Naples, if I'm not mistaken, Taylor, but I know it was uh, in Italy somewhere. Uh, was in the program for over a year, and he just accepted a job with Navita Healthcare. So welcome, Taylor. And we yeah, thank you. You're welcome. We got Javier Rodriguez. So Javier, you can come off uh, off you know, on the camera now. So Army Infantry guy, he had to do a little more of a drink for the fire hose. So he had about four and a half months in the program, and we he went to work for the company I mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, Abby, event. Welcome, Abby. Hey, Rob. Uh, with uh, with Nextera. Oh gosh, I, what? I knew that. I had that from a different slide. But I'm going to fix that. Sorry about that. You're right. Nextera. Oh, My bad. I think it was a holdover. I forgot to change it when I put you in there. So I apologize. Nextera Energy. You're right. I got the army infantry part right though. I know that part. Um, and then lastly, Zach Thompson. So Zach's an armor officer. Um, was in the program for over you know 20 months. Um. Uh, Station lot down there, Fort Benning, and then he just accepted a position with a company called Red Zone Production Systems. So, welcome, Zach. Hi, Ra. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. What I'm going to do, you guys, I'm going to I'm going to come off the uh, I'm going to stop sharing because I don't really have 
more. I have another song come back, but we'll, we'll kind of all three pop on the screen here and not be be minimized. So give me a second to stop that here. Hold on. Okay, so I mentioned I was going to throw you guys a few questions. So I'm going to Taylor, since I, I just had you up first on the screen, I'll start with that. Um, so having been in the program for about you know 13 months, and and you had the challenge of being overseas for quite a bit of time, so you know do all that. Um, now that you've completed the search, you've got to go back and, and rewind and play it, play it backwards. Like, what are the, some of the things you did in your preparation you felt like helped you? And what, if anything, would you have done differently? Yeah, so I think the stuff that helped me the most was the the month or two before uh, the conference. And this is repeating a lot of words. I know Pete says it constantly to go back to the basics. I think I watched the basic workshop at least like four times. Um, <clears throat> luckily, I was alone in a hotel room in Norfolk, so I had lots of time on my hands. Uh, but that was very helpful for knowing the the process for answering all the questions. Uh, memorizing the method, I think, is the word that uh, the phrase that comes up a lot. Um, so that just allowed me to to talk naturally and not um, be overly concerned with the 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 specific answer that I had structured out and written. That I, I was a little bit more comfortable with the method for answering them. Yeah. Anything you would have done differently looking back on it? Um. <clears throat> I think I would have spent more time uh, with the tabs one through four, um, really going through those critically, and and then using them in the in the tab five, developing all those questions. I think in my uh, instance, because I was thirteen months out, I did all those like a, a half a year, you know, in between doing, you know, the the learning about yourself, introspective looking, and then answering the question portions. So there. Are they're a little bit divorced in my mind there. Yeah, I think it's a good point because tab one and two, if you're in DPP, they really do lay the foundation for the work you do in tab five. And so yeah, they- it's always good, if, especially if you had the time like like you do or you did, you kind of go into the first time, but right before you get to tab five, it's almost kind of go back and, hey, what's changed? What yeah. might have been different now? And so that's a good point. Yeah, I'd almost do it again just so it's fresh in your mind. Sure. Make, make answering or coming up with your answers a lot easier. No, no. That's a good point. Javi, same same two questions to you. You know, again, you had a little bit more of the condensed timeline, but you know, what are some of the things that helped you in your preparation, and what would you have done differently? Yeah, for me, Rob, I'm going to say something that I think has been said every one of these webcasts. But the study group was the number one tool that I felt really helped me prepare. Zach was actually part of my study group, so helping draw on his his experience with the program, but. I really think that you know having that study group probably helped me develop my answers at a much more rapid rate. Uh, the DPP was great, you know, like getting them down, but kind of working them out. And I learned a lot about how I set them and um, just developing the delivery of the answer, which is obviously the, the only part that the, the companies get to see is how you actually deliver that answer. Um, you know, one of the things we did toward the end was get a little more conversational. We really only did that our last session or two. So I'd say all the interviews at the conference were very conversational. So maybe starting that a little earlier, pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone to get that conversational style interview a little earlier on with your study groups, I think is would be very helpful. Great. And Zach, I'll, I'll let you ask the, answer the same question. So things that you did in your preparation from being in the program as long as you were to you know, coming to the conference and then you know, finally, what would you have done differently? Sure, Rob. You know, I think one of the great things in being in the program for so long was that in addition to completing the DPP, it gave me a lot of time to look outside the DPP and do a lot of personal development, reading books that were not on the reading list, um, you know, going and learning more about things like Lean Six Sigma or project management. Um, and, and those things help fill in your answers when you go to, um, you know, writing your answers thing and, and practicing with your study group. Um, it helped me with really being able to translate military lingo into business lingo. And uh, I found that to be um, very helpful for me in my preparation for the conference. In addition to all the other great things that, that my fellow alumni have said, um, what I would have done differently, I think I would have focused a bit more on the why questions. Um, for example, why sales? Why manufacturing? Why project management? Because it was hard for me in the conference to kind of understand that and, and answer why. And it didn't, you know, there were sometimes I had an aha moment later on where I was like, you know what, that's why I want sales. That's why I want manufacturing or something like that. 
Um, so I wish I would have focused a little bit on that earlier, but um, in the end, I, the DPP is there to help you and, and it laid that foundation for me. Gotcha. Okay, great. And I'll, I'll go to start. We're going to come reverse order here. So, you know, overall, how do you feel the conference met your expectations, you know, exceeded, met, you know, fell below, hopefully not, but might have. Um, and then do you feel like your preferences were taken into account when it came to career fields, uh, location, et cetera, company matches? Yeah. Um, so by far the conference exceeded every last one of my expectations. Um, I went into the conference just blown away by how methodical it was and how well laid out the program is. Um, everything from, you know, when the company matches are released to you and, and the company literature to the final day of your interviews and in your closeout, it is so well organized and not a single minute of my time I felt was wasted. Um, and I had a, a lot of adequate time to prepare. Um, I think that my location preferences were on the, you know, on the money. Um, I think that Cameron Brooks did a great job in finding companies within my geographic region, uh, which was the Southeast for me. But I think they also opened my views and, and broadened my perspective and showed me some opportunities that were outside my region, but I was very interested in those companies. Um, so I, I hope that answered your question, Rob. Sure did. And I'll be asked the same question, kind of how the conference, you know, what fell in terms of your expectations and do you feel like those preferences you know, were accounted for? Yeah, Rob, for me, uh, I would say, you know, going to the conference, you get all your initial information sheets and you look at it for the 12 different reasons you're going to have and it's a little overwhelming, uh, you know, like that, that Wednesday before. But I would say the work we did from Friday in the kickoff meeting, Saturday and Sunday, Cameron Brooks just did a great job at helping us like wrap it up and help me fill out all the information sheets. So I would well prepared for each of the interviews. So it is like drinking through a virus. There's a lot that gets done on that last leg from Wednesday till you actually hit that first interview on Monday morning. But I thought Cameron Brooks just did a great job at really bringing it home. And, and for the, from the company's perspective, the actual interviews, I was very impressed with just how conversational, how positive uh, all the interviews were. I, I would say all of my interviews that I got had were a great experience. Like I, I remembered all of them and I didn't really feel stressed out or like anyone was, was drilling me. I felt like it was, they were really just getting to know you and I felt very comfortable interview, you know, thanks to a lot of the preparation from Cameron Brooks, but also just the professionalism of the companies. And, um, you know, looking at my schedule, I think Cameron Brooks definitely took into account really, you know, I really wanted to focus on team leadership and I, you know, you guys gave me a lot of great opportunities there and also, you know, locations definitely, uh, like you said, you know, there's some, the economy's changing. There's maybe less opportunities in some areas, but I still had a lot of, you know, my location preferences in there in the interviews I had. Did anything surprise you from the conference going into it? You weren't expecting that either good, bad, or or, or otherwise? Uh, you know, you know like, I guess just maybe, like people always say it, but you really do have a different view of the job, like maybe on Wednesday when you get all the initial information sheets, to actually talking to the people and learn a little more about the job. So, you know, just like that shift in my mind where I was like, maybe I, I wasn't really drawn to this in my mind. I had, I made sure not to count it out because Cameron Brooks tells you not to, but maybe you kind of did a little bit subconsciously, but once you actually sit down and listen to what the job is like, you get a little different view of it. So I was surprised at how much I learned during the interviews. Great. You know, same, same question, kind of your expectations and then kind of how you felt like your, your voice was heard, I guess, in, in the matching process. Yeah, so I'll be quite honest. I had actually very low expectations going into the conference. I remember specifically, specifically listening to the January wrap up uh, and saying that, you know, the comedy's not doing great. We have lower than average uh, interview numbers. And I listened to that and I freaked out and I honestly was pretty pissed off. But um, <clears throat> I, I only had eight interviews at the conference, but I personally I wouldn't have wanted any more. I thought I was able to uh, prepare for each of them. Um, really thoroughly uh, and they were all companies that uh, like Zach said my, you know my mind was open to to what's out there uh, and and the different opportunities the company I ended up going with Debita started out with just mild interest because uh, I knew it was a team leadership position to I read the data sheet on the company and then I became even more interested and then I interviewed the people and they were awesome uh, and then I had a follow-up interview with uh, the woman who's going to be my boss and, and she was awesome and and 
you know, my interest level just went up and up and up with each conversation and interaction with the company I had and researching it beforehand. Um, so really fully defied my, my expectations. Uh, and then even the support that all the staff, you went through everyone's picture, um, that you very quickly get into a first name basis with, um, the support that they give you through the conference, during the conference, during the follow-up, uh, process and the coaching on, on kind of how to evaluate all those things, uh, was extremely reassuring. Um, especially given that, that I, I personally was very nervous given, you know, the, um, the view of the economy and the number of interviews that really all my, my concerns were not warranted at all. That's fair. And I, and you kind of answered this already, but I was going to ask what, what led you to decide on choosing DeVita? You said a couple of things there. Anything else you wanted to add as to why you chose that company? Yeah, I had a couple of final offers that um, ultimately I, I was really interested with the mission statement of the company. Uh, everyone I talked to seemed to love working there. Um, and I really liked that role type. Uh, so it just seemed like a place that uh, I thought I'd be good at and a place I thought I would really enjoy working. Great. How about you? What, what, what drew you to next era? Uh, for me, Rob, was a couple of things. You know, I, I was very interested in the role, the ability to kind of think outside the box, talking to a lot of people that problems that if every day works different. There's just a new set of problems. And I really like that. But the number one thing for me was, was definitely the culture. When I, when I walked through the door there, it was just like, you could feel the, the closeness of the team and everyone was just so driven. And I got the opportunity while well, my visit there to meet probably 14 or 15 different people that I would be possibly working on one of those teams. And I just had such great interactions with all of them. I just love the culture. So it was someplace I just, I wanted to be a part of that team. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, Abby just brought up in terms of, you know, we're one of the trends we have seen. I know that Pete mentioned this in the January conference review is, you know, the, the conference is virtual, but we are seeing a shift back toward more and more in-person follow-up interviews. You know, companies that appetite has increased as well. Now, some are still virtual. I'm sure y'all did some virtual follow-up interviews, but there has been this uptick in in-person follow-up interviews, and I think the trend's going to continue to move forward. I think the the model that we're kind of going for these days is hey. Do the initial first date virtually, and then you know, based on that, you know, look at doing that second date, the follow-up interview process as much as we can in, in person. I think companies are, are embracing that trend back again. Zach, what was it about Red Zone that drew you? I would say two main things, Rob. Um, the first thing is I, I believe a lot in in Red Zone's uh, service and its uh, platform that it offers, the connected worker platform. Um, and I can touch on that more later, but it was something that. I wish I had in the army, um, as an armor officer, and I could see many uses for it, um, in the army and in likewise the military. Um, and then the second thing is, uh, my position as an operational excellence coach is, is high travel. And, uh, one of the things that I loved in the army was all the travel that I got to do and, and see new places, meet new people. And I get the same opportunity to do that in this role. Um, so those are the two main reasons why I really enjoyed, um, pairing with Red Zone. Okay. And I'm going to open this up here in just a second. We got some questions kind of coming in now, but let me go back and, and we go back to what a point that Taylor made. And this comes back to what I touched on earlier. Um, what was y'all's sense? And, you know, and Taylor, I can, I'll go back to you just because you kind of started it. But what was your sense? You hey, have heard about the January conference, not sure how the economy's going, what's going to happen. What was your sense in talking to the companies? Did you feel like that? that what was, I know you, you haven't been to a conference before, but what was your sense about the economy, the way they were talking to you about the opportunities and, and what their, their industry was doing? I, I wouldn't have known that there was a problem, to be honest. Okay, that's fair. How about you? Uh, similar, I, I think that seeing everyone came there wanting to hire junior military officers, so there wasn't a feeling like, yeah, hey, we might, it's like we're coming here to, to get people and you just kind of got to make sure you're, you're one of those people. Zach, anything you did? I would just say that, you know, the majority of the companies that I interviewed with were, were growing um, and and needed that skill set, that leadership skill set that Cameron Brooks talks about. Um, so, you know, I have no fears or concerns about the economy at all because these companies are, are looking. They, they want to hire you if you've got the right skills and qualifications and you're the person that meets what they're looking for. Yeah, and that's part of the challenge, right? So... And part of the advantage, and again, I mean, this is not meant to be a sales pitch to Cameron Brooks on this webcast, but that's part of our job is to make sure that we're vetting companies that are that do have growth, that are willing to look at the JMO, even in a down economy. That, again, you guys don't see this as much because we see it on the internal side, but again, the bar goes up. 
know, obviously you guys got over the bar and, and you guys got your offers and accepted it in many cases, you know, more than one. You know, so that again, everything I echoed earlier in this slide or in the in the presentation still holds true. You know, these gentlemen were very well prepared. They had very good strategies, and that enabled them to be successful. On top of the fact that these companies, these decision makers, you know, were bringing in open positions, they had pain, they wanted to hire, but not every company out there does. Not every company out there is going to get all of your background. Not every company is going to understand what you all bring to the table, and that's and that's part of the challenge of just kind of blindly going out there and, and wing it. Can it be done? Sure, it can be done. Uh, anything can be done. But you know, I think this is, their success is a testament that you bring great preparation and strategy, and you bring really high-quality companies that want the background. Uh, it can it can work. Okay, I'm going to pull up, and we got about 20 minutes. So I'm going to pull up the Q&A here. Um, so the first question, and I, and I may be going a little bit out of order, but um, Jackson, hey, should we get accounts for all the platforms? Yeah, you probably, I don't know how you guys did it, um, but eventually you'll create a profile with, you know, we we do everything Zoom at the conference. You know, Microsoft Teams, Google Meet, and I think uh, Cisco WebEx. I think probably the platforms that you did. So at some point, and you'll know this, and it doesn't take long to create a platform, but it doesn't hurt to get an account for those main platforms just to be ready. Um, and we'll walk you through because there's certain nuances when you're doing a virtual interview, how to make sure you don't have glitches in the system, you don't have audio issues and things like that. And we'll coach that leading up to the conference, but that's not a bad idea. Okay. I'll, I'll go ahead and take this one. It was an easy one. Although the interviews are virtual, do we still come to a central location for the conference? Nope. You're going to interview wherever you live, wherever you're, you're stationed. Now, just so Taylor came back, your, your family was not back yet, right, Taylor? No, yeah, my dad was on uh, vacation, so I was, you know, the classic 30-year-old just in their basement <laughs> trying to find a job. Very good. So, you know, and that's the thing. If you're coming to a conference here probably in June, especially, or in August, you start thinking about where you want to do your interview from, right? Start thinking about the room, everything from the space like right now, I'm on a pretty neutral background. I can touch this wall. I'm pretty center mass. The lighting's not bad. I'd, I'd improve it a little bit. But those are all things will help coach you as well along the way. But you'll interview from wherever you want to interview from, whether it be your your house, townhome, apartment, what have you. And some people choose, just to close it out, some people choose to go to a hotel. Hey, I've got three screaming kids. It's going to be chaos in here. I can't find a, a quiet place through the conference. Some people have done that too. Completely up to you how you do it. Uh, um, yeah, uh, let's see. I'll, uh, Zach, I'll give this one to you. So, was it easy to recognize the type of question that was being asked? Like, hey, this is a significant accomplishment question. This is a how do you question. Was it pretty evident what they were asking? Were there any like gotchas? I, I will say this: like the the conversational interview, a lot of those questions aren't going to be exactly as you see it in the DPP in Tab Five. You know, um, the the questions are going to be a little bit more nuanced. Um, I, I think the one that you're probably going to see the most, of course, is, is tell me about yourself. But the rest are variations of those questions. So when you go into the conference, don't expect to get, you know, hit with tell me about a significant accomplishment or something like that. Um, you know, in that conversation, you need to prepare to listen, uh, actively listen to what the interviewer is asking you truly understand the question that uh, the intent of what they're trying to get at and then answer. Um, so, and, and I think that practicing that conversational style of interview, like Javi uh, referred to earlier, like that's what really helped us with, with understanding that and being able to talk through those questions and those nuances. Yeah, that's good. I'll be this one specifically for you. So I will have William four months before my conference. What's the one thing you wish you'd have known prior to your conference that helped you best? Um, I would definitely say get in a study group as quick as possible. You know, I'd say, I think it really advances you very quickly. So rather than waiting until two months out, just get in a study group. Now you might be uncomfortable working your answers because you haven't worked them for very long, put them out there, listen to what people who've been in the program longer than you have written down. And it's going to help your, um, preparation. Just, it's going to accelerate your preparation. It's good. Um, Taylor, I'll give this one to you. Did, did you feel generally qualified for the positions you interviewed for? Were there any curveballs? No, I, I think if uh, prior to all the, the webcasts that Cameron Brooks does on the various companies and positions, uh, and and they do the the triangle diagram of, of you know how do you show that you fit this job? Um, 
prior to that, you will not feel qualified and and you might be confused. But then after that, that really helped me picture uh, the skills and attributes that I have that fit into this role. And then what are the things I'm going to talk about to show that I am qualified uh, for that job during this interview to show that I am a good fit? Yeah. And I'll say this, you know, for Nevada Healthcare, I did not care one out and a tailor was on a boat underneath the water. That was not part yeah. of the job description, right? So zero healthcare experience. Zero healthcare experience for that. So when you have, if, if companies need industry experience, they're not going to come recruit for these types of roles, right? These are positions that, you know, Chuck spends a lot of time begging these companies to make sure he's bringing roles that are not so nuanced and specific that they have to have X amount of years of that, even though the job description, in many cases, if you go into their website, will say X years of industry experience, X years of this, certification in this. But we understand how to work past the filters and the gates to make sure that at the end of the day, the companies feel like a lot of cases they can teach the business but it's harder to teach the leadership. It's harder to teach the, the, the tangibles, the intangibles that you all bring to the table as, as junior military officers. Okay. Zach, anything you want to add to that, uh, that question? Um, you know, I, I think that a lot of the companies that I interviewed with, you know, they, they didn't care about your, well, they care about your military experience, but you have to frame it in terms that they're going to understand. Um, in, in my role, with Red Zone, um, you know, I had to look for ways that I had to use a lot of lean practices or things like that in the Army and be able to verbalize that experience so that way they understood it. Um, and so just, and that's where I get back to what I said previously, like the more you read outside the DPP and really look at other things um, to help increase your foundational understanding of business lingo and jargon, um, I think it pays incredible dividends um, because when you're able to speak their language um, you, you can frame your experience in terms that they understand and, and comprehend easily. And it helps you translate it that much easier. Great. Um, this one's, have we seen any business rescind their offer since concluding the follow-up process? I'll, I'll answer this one because they're not privy to that. No. At this point, we've not had a company. We did have a company go on a hiring freeze before they came to the conference, so they never actually attended, which is fine. We better know that ahead of time. But as of the April conference, no one has rescinded an offer since the uh, since we concluded the conference, um, I'll give this one to, to Javi. So, what were one or two of the most? Uh, you guys all take this one. What were one of the two most common questions regarding leadership that you were asked by the majority of your companies? Like any common like leadership centric questions? Yeah, they were they were definitely all worded a little different, Rob. But there were a lot who wanted to know. Very common, something like, "What's your?" your biggest like leadership accomplishment. They ask that in some sort of way. And that, that gives you a lot of freedom to answer that one, like how you will. Um, and then a lot of them were, were focused on, I had a lot of questions about using data to solve problems. That's really big now, obviously in business. So trying to find a way where you use some sort of data or metrics to solve a problem. I think it's really important to have that answer ready for the conference because data is just big. And then corporate America, how it is. Yeah. How about you? Any, any, common leadership questions you saw kind of permeated across most of your, your interviews? Yeah, I had a lot of behavioral questions, like how do you work with people? How do you deal with difficult subordinates? Um, that 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 was in at least half of the interviews was, uh, I would say at least half of the interview. So 25% of the time of the conference, I was talking about like behavioral type stuff. Um, yeah, which is a methodology question. In a lot of cases you're giving in a specific example, but you're giving you know your your approach. That's good. And especially in those, a lot of those team leadership-centric interviews, you'll, you'll find there are more and more of those behavioral style. Hey, if you had a difficult employee doing that, how would you handle this? How would you approach this situation kind of thing? Those, those things can come up very much so, especially in that team leadership-centric you know, interview. I know the answer to this question because I asked him earlier. It says, how soon after acceptance do you each plan on starting with your companies? So I think it's June 1st for Taylor, June 5th and June 5th for, for Hobby and Zach, right? Yeah, well done. Yep, and, and those are dates you all they worked out with their actual companies, right? We don't dictate when they start. Typically, like I said, for the April conference, it's sometime in the month of June. If you're coming to the June conference, it's typically sometime in the month of August. It's sometime that 45 to 60 days post conference, but it really is up to you and the company. I think the thing with the companies, because in the military we have a very different view of starting. Like you PCS to one location, drop your bags. I don't care what you got. Leave all your stuff there. You go to the field now. 
Like that's a lot of cases how we PCS and move, right? Hey, you're getting underway in a, in three days. Companies don't typically operate that way because they know when, when you show up to the work day one, they want your mind right. So they want to give you a chance to get settled, get moved in, take care of the family, and then then be ready to ready to go. So you're going to have some flexibility. As well as within the parameters I just kind of described, you'll have some flexibility when you actually start. Okay. Uh, So is that, I'll give you this one. Um, did you all feel like you had a good idea of what you were looking for, types of roles heading into your conference, and did your interview experience take you in an unexpected direction? I think the way I interpret that question is, hey, I kind of had an idea. Like We talked about the career fields and the split and all that. And did, did, your, did things change for you as you went and met these companies? Uh, yeah, so I, I think I definitely had a good idea of what um, the roles were going to be when I entered the conference. I mean... The camera Brooks staff and I, we, we had discussed it many times before what I wanted my breakdown to be, how many, you know, tentative positions I want to inter interview with on the team leadership side versus sales or, um, you know, business analysis, that kind of thing. Um, so I knew kind of roughly what my split was going to be um, for the interview schedule. Um, and I, I wouldn't say like, I, I didn't get too many curveballs. I think, um, you know, it, by and far, like I had a general idea of, of what to expect in these roles. Um, and I think like really understanding the career field tab um, in the DP will help you with that as well. Um, if you if you learn that tab and you understand it, it really speeds up that preparation time, I think, because then you're able to know like, okay, I, I see this guy is going to be a, um, you know, let's say a operations manager. And so I know what that entails, what an operations manager generally does. Um, and that's what helped me with my preparation for that. And, and again, I'm not putting words in your mouth here, Taylor, but I think when we talked and we were talking career fields, you initially had your head probably more of this technical project management kind of piece. And Davida doesn't say there isn't some technical component to it, but it's a little bit of a departure from. So that obviously something's changed for you in the interview process. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with the Vita, but what really got me to it is that it's still team leadership and it's working with smart people. Um, which I'm sure everyone in the military, that's been, you know, the vast majority of our experience. And I even interviewed with a finance job too, um, that at first that you know, said, okay, finance, sure. Um, but then the more I read into it and then even having conversations with the folks at that company about the job, uh, really opened my mind that it would, it seemed much more interesting than just saying finance, you know, starting out. Yeah. Did each of you do it? I know you did, Javi. Did Taylor, do you exactly do an on, uh, on-site follow-up interview? I did. Okay. So everyone did. So how about you mentioned it? So one of the questions was, Hey, can you describe the atmosphere of the follow-up interview? So let's just talk through the, the next tier. Just kind of give us kind of a quick agenda of how, what took place. Yeah, Rob. So, I mean, uh, the follow-up interviews were, were very well done, very well planned by the company. So, uh, for me, they, they booked my flight, my hotel, all that, and a rental car. So, um, you know, essentially they, they email all that to you, um, you know, fly in, picked up the car, go over to the hotel. And then that evening, um, we all went to a, a very nice restaurant. And and that was kind of an informal style interview for sure. Like it's really uh, about culture, how you fit in. We had, uh, there's a, I think seven uh, from Cable Brooks and then there were about five next to employees there. So really good ratio. You know, you, you have a lot of opportunity to interact with people there. And uh, really you get a lot of feel for the culture, I think, in that dinner and just the kind of people, how they work, how they think. Um, but it's a lot of conversations about, not about work. It's, it's a very, you know, get to know each other kind of a, a meal. Uh, following morning, we went in for like a breakfast at the next air energy resources headquarters. And, uh, I had seven interviews after that. It was like seven 30 minute interviews where you kind of go through and, and meet a lot of different people. And, and all the interviews were a little different. Some were, some were a conversation where we didn't talk single accomplishments. Some were questions down a list. Each uh, next era allows each of their employees, essentially, who are involved to, to decide how they're going to conduct that interview. Um, but I thought it was very well done. And um, for me, I, I had fun because I liked the people and I connected well with them. So I thought that the whole atmosphere of the visit was, you know, if you find a, a good culture fit. I feel like the visit's just very smooth and seamless. Okay. Zach, what's coming to you to a follow-up interview with in person? My follow-up was with uh, Red Zone, Rob. And, okay. uh, it was also very well done. Um, so I flew into Dallas on a Thursday. 
Uh, right after I just finished a follow-up interview for another company. Um, so it, they'll come back to back, you know, um, and then got into Dallas. And that night we had a social mixer um, and there were uh, two other Kim Brooks guys with me. And then the rest of the room were like 10 or 15 other folks interviewing for um, these various positions within Red Zone. Um, and so a wide variety of people in that group. And then the second day on that Friday, we had two rounds of interviews. Uh, in the morning, I had to give a presentation um, to uh, two of the interviewers. And then we broke for lunch and did a team building activity over lunch. Um, and then in the afternoon, I had another set of interviews um, that were also very interesting. Some like uh, role-playing scenarios uh, where I had to role-play as an operational excellence coach. Um, and then another, like a technical aptitude test where I had to display my, my technical aptitude and how I could handle, uh, some of the software stuff that Redzold does. Okay. Um, so I think it just goes to show like these, these follow-up interviews, they run the gamut as far as, um, what you're going to be doing. And, uh, I really enjoyed it. It was well done. I mean, everything was handled. Like Javi said, like my, uh, my flights were all booked well in advance and, and everything was handled by the company. Um, I didn't really have to do anything on that end. Gotcha. Dude, I know you've been over a lot of time here, but anything different, you would, I assume you went on to on-site to Buffalo for DeVito? No, that one was uh, was virtual. Okay. Uh, okay. With you know, the folks that I'm going to end up working with. What did you do your in-person with? Uh, I did it with Pregis in Grand Rapids. So for me, luckily, I just drove down the street to them because I live not that far away. Um, but it was, uh, like Javi said, very much uh, seeing if, there, if it was a culture fit between me and them. Okay. Yeah, and a lot depends. You know, it's like Javi uh, and Zach talking about coming in the night before to a social event. Some companies maybe have you come in that morning, you know, interview that day, fly out the next day. It really does vary how they want to do it. Like, we don't dictate that to the companies. Do that, And then with the virtual, um, I don't know how would you know, just talk about the virtual file tenor for Navita. I imagine you've got a chance to sleep with a few more folks than you did at the conference. Yeah, completely different trio uh, from the conference. So that was uh, just meant more people in the leadership at Navita. And the people that are going to be my bosses uh, when I show up to work. Okay. Great. Um, did any of you all do Skillbridge with us? I did. You did that. Okay, just real quick. Someone asked, uh, do you feel it benefited you to do the Skillbridge? Absolutely. Um, because it gave me that additional preparation time where I wasn't burdened by you know, work. As we all know in the military, there are so many times where you're going to have peers or subordinates or uh, your bosses come and try and full time away from you for, you know, but trying to solve their issues and their problems. But going in the skill bridge just gave me that, um, that asylum, that, that safe space where I could sit and focus on interview preparation and focus on holding my skills, um, and not have to worry about anything else going on other than that, other than preparation. Yeah. I'll say I wish I had done skill bridge. I wish I even was an option. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, I think that I think the Navy's changing its policy quite a bit on on steel bridge these days too. So each branch of service is kind of doing it a little bit differently, but you know, definitely worth inquiring. If you can get it, I encourage everyone to do it. To Zach's point, it does kind of give you that that, that safe haven leading up to the conference and even to the follow process. So it's always good. Um, I'll take this one real quick. You guys can chime in here, but did you have a good feel of what each company thought of you when you left each interview? I, in my experience, I think it varies. I think sometimes you might get that warm fuzzy. Sometimes you might get companies that keep the cards closer to the vest. So it just depends on the personality of who interviews. Sometimes it depends on what day you're interviewing. If you're that first company uh, on Monday and they've got a whole slew of interviews for the next two days, they may be a little less inclined to show you much because they don't know how the rest of the interviews are going to go. If your last interview is on Tuesday and, and they're still last interview, they have a real good feel for the for the companies. They feel good about you. They might give you a little bit more feedback. Um, and you guys see anything different? Yeah, I feel about the same wrong. Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's, it's mixed. It's mixed. I think it's mixed. Okay, we're going to include it here in a second, but Zach, someone asked me, what are the books you recommend reading? Give, give me give me one book you read that on the list. Um, one book I enjoyed was uh, Leadership 2030. Um, it, it talks about six megatrends that are occurring in, in the business world and how businesses need to look at them and identify them in order to meet upcoming business needs. And uh, it kind of helped me with my Red Zone interview because it talks about convergence of technology. Um, that was something that, um, I, you know, later on I would bring up and in, in, in discussion stuff. So that's one book I recommend, but there's so many out there on a gosh, I don't have enough time. Fair enough. 
Okay, as we wrap up here, so I'm going to start with you, Taylor. If you could give the, the June conference candidates one piece of advice as they prepare for this next six plus weeks for the conference, like what would that piece of advice be? Uh, I, yeah, just focus on the method that's repeating what you guys say, so it's useless for me to say it, but um, yeah, oh, focusing on the method. It bears repeating. It always bears repeating. Going back to the basics like you talked about. Hobby, how about you? Uh, for me, Rob, I'd say to any candidates, you know, do the preparation, put the work in, but when it comes time to perform, like have fun, you know, let yourself kind of cut loose, like just enjoy the interview process. So I think you just do better that way. And finally, Zach. I would say in addition to the DVP, um, take advantage of every other transition opportunity that your branch of service has to offer. Um, there's so many free courses out there and, and learning materials that you can take advantage of while you're preparing that will just, um, you know, make you more well-rounded as a candidate. All right. Gentlemen, I appreciate you guys taking the time uh, to spend this last hour. Your insight is, is very valuable. I wish you guys the very best success. As you guys know, this is not the end of our relationship. We're, our door is always open. Hope you guys stay in contact with us. For all the rest of the, the folks that attended here as participants, great questions. I appreciate the time. As always, if you all have questions, you can hit me up. You can hit up the Camerooks team, your relationship manager. But thanks for attending, you three especially. Everyone have a great night. <laughs>